So as you know, um, we, we've, been, we've been, you know, proceeding in this series about the fivefold. And we've had some wonderful speakers come and expound to us what really is the fivefold? When we speak about the fivefold, what are we actually talking about? Amen. How many of you have, have you? How many of you have been in some of the services? Just by a show of hands. So that's pretty much all of us here. And like Bernard was saying, um, you know, I'm here to speak about one of the the, the other offices, um, the the office of the teacher. And I believe God will bless us in a mighty way. Amen. But I want to begin off by saying something very simple here that. Um, you know, because the nature of this office is such that it deals a lot with, you know, the Bible, Scripture, as all the other offices do. But I just want to make a, just a very simple statement just to say that, um, you know, we don't read the Bible to justify what we believe. We read the Bible to know what to believe. Maybe I should start from there. Because we live in a generation where many other doctrines, as the Bible calls it, winds of doctrines, that ha has infiltrated the space of the church and caused many to deviate from the foundational patterns that were laid by the prophets and apostles. And so... In our day and time, many of us, we read the scripture to justify what we believe. But the scripture is supposed to be read to know what to believe. To know what to do. Not to justify what you think you need to do. So one of the main aspects of the office of a teacher is really just to expound in a very laborious manner, over and over again, the ways and nature of God, so that people can come to comprehend how God does his things. The, teacher, the teaching office, if I was to say it this way, is one of the, the, the offices in the church that they have a very tedious task, very tedious, because they ought to reveal to us line by line, precept by precept, as the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 28, the way and nature of God. The Bible says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. No, you shall know what you, you want to know. And it's not what you want to know that sets you free. It's the truth. Meanwhile, there are many variations of truths out there, like I was, I've just been saying. Many variations of truths. So this is one of the most pivotal offices that God is intending to restore in our day and time. To restore back the way and nature of God. So that a, a generation will not be lost by the end of time. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Acts chapter 20 verse 32. Let's get into some scripture. If you have your Bible, Acts chapter 20, verse 32. And I'll paraphrase it. Um, it just says, or maybe I should open it so that I don't, you know, I don't really like to butcher scripture. Um, Acts 20, 32. 
Okay, so I read it from the New King James Version. It says, um, So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance amongst all those who are sanctified. Very simple scripture. This scripture is just simply revealing to us that the word of God that you, we read on a, on a, on a regular basis, it, it has the capacity to build you up. Amen? It has the capacity to make you. It has the capacity to move you from one level to another. These days, um, it's very difficult for, or maybe let me not say it that way. These days, it's, it's quite common for, for one to read the scripture and yet not believe what the scripture says. Very common. And that's probably because they have not previously been taught that the Bible, the Word of God, not necessarily this physical book. Because Jesus came and said in John 5, 39, that you search the Scriptures because you think in them you will have eternal life. And yet these are the words that testify of me. That is to say that it is not necessarily in the pamphlet or the physical or electronic version of the Bible that you have that makes the difference. It is about what you are reading, the, the embodiment of who the Bible is speaking about. That's what makes the difference. So we ought to be taught the Word of God to a degree where when you are alone reading it by yourself, you are able to have encounters with God by yourself. Job said in the Scriptures, he said, I had heard of you, Job 42, verse 5, I believe. I had heard of you with the hearing of ear, but now my eyes have seen. This is where God wants to bring our generation, ladies and gentlemen. Because one more time, let me just emphasize that in our present day and time, many ride upon the convictions of their pastor. Many ride upon the convictions of their prayer leader. Many ride upon the convictions of someone that put a, a, a Christian thread on Twitter. We gain our beliefs and, and, and our convictions from other people. And then when the storms of life come crashing in, that's when we see how deep your roots are. So the, 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 this is just context so that you understand the reason why we need these offices. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians chapter 3 verse 10, it says, Now to this intent that it may be made known the manifold wisdom of God, the principalities and powers. When you check the whole scope of Ephesians chapter 1 and 2, it's talking about the eternal purpose of God. Amen? I'm just digressing very quickly just to establish a point. It's talking about the reason why we're here. Why are we here? Why, why do we talk about Jesus? Why are we in this church building right now? Why are we discussing about the fivefold? Is anyone hearing what I'm saying at all? What is the end of all of this? Why bring someone to talk about the prophetic and then the pastor and the evangelist and then now the teacher? What's that all about? You need to, we need to ask questions so that we, we don't we're not caught in the rat race. We're not caught in this 
helter-skelter of religion. You need to understand who you are serving. And I'm saying this is the, 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 the responsibility, the mandate, the, the assignment of the teaching priest. It might be made the manifold wisdom of God. That when you read it, essentially summarizing now, it's just to, to, for, for us to know that God had a plan from the very beginning. And although I don't have time to, to expand on that, but just understand that there's a bigger picture. So what we're discussing all of these things is to get to that bigger picture. If you're still with me, just say amen. So that's a, an Ephesians chapter 3 verse 10 for anyone that was wondering. Um, and once again, like I said, the goal of everything that we do here is for the objective of thy kingdom come. That we will see the government of God and God's, plan, God's plans and purposes be made manifest here on earth as it is in heaven. This has nothing to do with my teaching, but this is just to say that it is very important for us to understand why we're discussing any of this. Always understand that the big picture, the goal, is that God may be made manifest here on earth as it is in heaven. Every other thing is a waste of time. Every other thing is a waste of time, I can assure you. So that's the, that's the, that's the main objective. And what, one of the things that I want to debunk just right now, um, let's open to Ephesians chapter 4, verse, I'll start from 12 because of time. Um, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12 if the tech team can help me with that. And paraphrasing now, you know, I don't want to go into detail about it because everyone else who has spoken before me, I believe, has made mention of that scripture. But it just simply, you can read from verse 9 if you want, up to verse 12. It begins by talking about how that Jesus gave unto some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. For the equipping of the saints. Is it up there? So this is verse 12. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build the church, the body of Christ. Other versions will say for the, for, for the equipping, for the work of the ministry. Now we need to explain that because, you know, it's easy for, 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 for some of us to be thinking, okay, when we're talking about the fivefold, these are the only kind of people that God is intending to use. And so we have the apostles and the prophets, and these are the overly spiritual people that God wants to send to the ends of the earth and do the work of the ministry. Because according to the popular phrase, they, these are the ones in ministry. I came to let you know that as you're sitting there, you are also in ministry. It's not just the apostles and prophets and the teachers and the evangelists and the pastors who are doing the work of the ministry. It just so happens to be that they are the ones that are actually supposed to equip. Check the Greek uh, rendering. It translates to bringing a, a people to a position of, of fitness. Catechismos. It means to, to bring someone to a posture where they are fit for, for service. 
So if I stand here to talk to you about the office of the teacher and someone comes and speaks about the prophet, the whole purpose, or even just on a normal Sunday, if Pastor Willie comes and preaches about whatsoever topic that is in the Word of God, the intent is to equip you for the work of the ministry. Listen, the days and times that we are living in, ladies and gentlemen, and excuse me, you know, my way of teaching, although I'm talking about the teaching, it's very ironic. I can go anywhere, so excuse me. I'm very unorthodox. I do apologize. But I just want to emphasize that the day and time we are living in, ladies and gentlemen, is such that every man must know God for themselves. This is what the book of Hebrews was trying to establish. This is what all the prophets of old were trying to communicate. How that a day will come where no man shall tell their neighbor about God. But every man will know me for themselves. That's what the word of God says, ladies and gentlemen. God's desire is that you don't keep necessarily coming to church. Meanwhile, coming to church is, is biblical. I hope you're not misconstruing my point here. It is important for us to assemble with the brethren. That's not where I'm going. I'm talking about coming to church and going back out there and riding upon the convictions of the same person that preached to you. The goal of the preacher was not so that you can go back with his or her convictions. The goal of the preacher was so that you, he or she can, can stir up your faith to a degree where when you go to that workplace and you're faced with challenges, you will know how to handle that pressure. When you are in, in that workplace or whatever sphere of influence that you, you occupy, the goal of the preacher is to bring you to a point where you will not crumble under that pressure. Number one. Number two, that you will be able to represent Jesus in that sphere of influence. Some say, well, I mean, how can I be in ministry if I'm not holding a mic and preaching? That's, that, that's a lie that does not come from God. You have the power, the capacity to change the tides of darkness in the place that you occupy. You have the power. You have the power. You have the power. Someone says, well, I work in the corporate field. I'm a business. You can, you can, you can enforce the government of heaven in that place. It doesn't take much persuasion. You don't need to persuade anyone. You don't need to connive anyone. All it takes is for you to just live your life as a representative of this kingdom. If you're still with me, just say amen. So, let me, let's get into some um, Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15. Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 15. Very quickly, for the sake of time, if you can help us. Um, if not, I'll paraphrase it. It just simply speaks about how, it says, And I will give you shepherds after my own heart, who will guide you with knowledge and understanding. This is God speaking. I will give you shepherds and pastors after my own heart who will feed you, some versions say, with knowledge and understanding. 
the menu for spiritual growth is knowledge and understanding. And that is one of the primary assignments of the, of the teacher, of the teaching priest. That whenever you're coming here day by day, Sunday by Sunday, midweek, services, whatsoever it may be, that each and every single time what's happening is that you are being fed with knowledge, number one, and understanding. And the goal, therefore, is to bring you to a point where, once again, you become mature in the things of God. So many scriptures I can stand here and expand right now that, that suggest to us that the goal of the fivefold is so that you will be brought to a place of maturity in Christ Jesus. I can show you so many scriptures. Paul, the, 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 the hallmark of the ministry of Paul the Apostle was not so much just to travel to and fro or to necessarily write the epistles. His desire, what really burned in his heart, was that he will bring a people to, to a people to a place of maturity in Christ Jesus. That was the ultimate motive for which Paul did what he did. And just in case you're wondering, it is very possible to be made perfect in understanding. Very possible. Because, you know, when we talk about the things of God, it seems as if how, how will we ever get there? How will I ever come to a place where I will know how to pray? How will I get to a place where if I'm facing a challenge, I don't know, maybe in my spiritual walk, how, how I can redeem that situation? I, was, I, was, I, was, I became born again two days ago. How will I ever come to that place? You were talking about rest earlier on. How do I get to that place where I know how to respond to those kinds of situations? These are some of the questions on some people's minds. But I can assure you that there is a pattern for spiritual growth. And that pattern is that you be fed with knowledge and understanding. So I want to read one scripture for you. Galatians chapter 4 verse 1. Let me run through this now. And it says, An heir, as long as he is a child, he differeth not from a servant, though he be lord of all. There's a need for us to grow. There's a need for us to mature in the things of God. This is, once again, one of the main reasons why we have the office of the teacher. That the teacher may expound the ways of God, the, 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 the nature of God, make it known to you, make it more realistic to you, take it off the pages of the scriptures and bring it right in front of you. The, 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 the assignment of the teacher is to make these things become a reality to you. Why? Because an heir, as long as he is a child, he differeth not from a slave. Do you know what that means? <laughs> That means, for instance, many of you have read the, the Bible and you've heard the promises of God. How many of you have, have read the, the Bible and you, you're familiar with some promises? Many promises the scripture gives us, you know, and we've all come across at least one. Now, why is it that sometimes some of the things we believe and we actually believe we have faith for, they never materialize in our lives? Or why is it as though sometimes our Christian experience is not matching what the Scripture has said? 
So sometimes we know it theoretically, but for it to translate experientially, there's a massive gap difference. It's a, it's a hard message, I know. But it ought to be said in this way so that you understand the, the extent to which this office must be restored in the body of Christ. Because, for instance, coming to church and singing songs is good. Worshiping God is, is amazing. You know, it actually opens up your heart to connect with God. You know, I, I'm a student of the presence of God. I understand by the grace of God, you know, what, the, what worship can do for a person. But guess what? It's not enough. Contrary to popular belief, it's not enough. You know, it's even possible for someone to be a man or woman of prayer and still be smitten by the enemy as if they don't even know God. Do you know that's possible? You know, uncle was saying one time that some people, their lives are the story itself when he came out to preach. And for me, sometimes when God wants to teach me something or, or maybe I find myself in a situation, but he wants to use that situation to teach me something. Because how many of you know that some situations that are, they look chaotic, they're actually not from God. God can use those situations to prune you, but for, for him to try to come and smack you on the head to show you, to prove something to you, you know, it's not, it's not their nature. Anyway, that's by the way. My whole point is that I went through a, a season of um, the desire to read the word of God was non-existent. I went a very long time without reading the Bible, ladies and gentlemen. But guess what? I was praying. And in all my praying, I was being bombarded even more. In all, in all my praying, you would think as I'm walking in my room doing two angels should descend from heaven and come and solve all my problems. But that's not, that's not what happened. I was really going through it as if, like, Lord, where are you? And God just whispered very gently to me that, you know, have I been reading the Bible? I need to say this because some of you are looking for some supernatural encounters to come and solve your situation. That two angels will come into your room and then be like, that's said the Lord. <laughs> that's what some people are looking for. I used to be one of those people. That's why I'm talking like this. I used to be one of those people. I'll fast and pray to have encounters with angels. <laughs> and neglect the Bible. Meanwhile, this is where all the secrets lie. The wisdom I'm looking for is all here. It's all here. Believe me, it's all here. So, the Word of God is what builds conviction. It says, I commend you, therefore, to the Word of His grace, which is able to make you, is able to make you, 
is able to build capacity within you. So it's important that we don't remain as, as infants in, 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 in the things of God. Hence why the teaching office and the ministry of the teacher is very, very, very essential. Now, for the sake of time, I want us to open to Second Chronicles 15 verse 3. Very quickly now, I'm going to run through this now. Second Chronicles chapter 15 verse 3. Um, if you can help us with that. If you're there, just say amen. Oh, no one's there. Second Chronicles chapter 15, verse number 3. It says, For a long time Israel was without the true God, without a priest to teach them, and without the law to instruct them. So three things. For a very long time, Israel was without the true God, number one. Number two, without a priest to teach them. Other versions will say without a teaching priest. That's why I've been using that terminology. And number three, and without the law to instruct them. Second scripture, Luke chapter 7, verse 49. I would have started from 45, but for the sake of time. Actually, let's start from 45 so that you see the progression of Revelation. Luke seven forty-five. If you're there, say amen. If you're not there, make sure you're not saying amen. <laughs> Luke chapter 7, verse 4. Okay, so it says, meanwhile, let me give you a background. So some, some soldiers had been sent to arrest Jesus. Let me just make that context very simple. And upon the arrival, uh, so it says, you didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. Uh, okay, next scripture. I mean, next verse, rather. Uh, you neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. Next, next verse. I tell you her sins, and, and they are many, have been forgiven, so she has so much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. I hope I'm reading the, the right scripture. We'll find out in verse 49. <laughs> it says, then Jesus said to the woman, okay, go to 49. Okay, that's not the scripture. I'll give you, I'll give you the scripture. Bear with me, bear with me. Luke, as you're waiting for me, just tell your neighbor, you know, these things, they happen, they happen. <laughs> uh, uh, right, John, John seven forty five. Sorry about that. John chapter 7. <laughs> Let me open that very quickly. Are we there? Are we there? It says, when the temple gods return. So now my context makes sense. When the temple gods re return without having arrested Jesus, the leading priests and Pharisees demanded, why didn't you bring him in? Next verse. 
He says, we have never heard anyone speak like this, that God's respond. I want to pause there and make a quick statement. You know, imagine soldiers have been sent to arrest Jesus, and they go back with this report. The reason why I pause there is just to say one thing, that as a, because sometimes when people have been called to these offices, this is just a consolation for anyone that believes they're called to the office or whatsoever. Society has made it seem like the potency of our impact is not to be seen anywhere. Most of us are ridiculed by so many people, sometimes ridiculed by our peers. But according to this scripture, it is possible for a man of God to have impact. It's possible for the words that you speak to be able to cause a ripple effect. Does anyone understand what I'm saying? So never undermine where God has called you to. People were sent to arrest Jesus. I want you to picture this. You've come with handcuffs and whatsoever, and then you go back with this report. We have never heard anyone speak like this. Next verse. It says, have, have you been led astray to the Pharisees mocked? Mm-hmm. 48. Is there a single one of us rulers or Pharisees who believe in him? 49. It says, this foolish crowd follows him, but they are ignorant of the law. It says, God's curse is on them. I want to rephrase that because I read New King James. The New King James will say, they that do not know the law are cursed. What does that mean? Now, someone might be thinking law here is talking necessarily about the Ten Commandments or the 612 or 30 whatever laws of Moses. No. The laws of God are, um, how do I phrase this? The laws of God are a set of, I wouldn't call it rules, but things that guide you which have been derived from the nature of God. Let me paraphrase that. The laws of God, they, they are extracted from the nature of God. So when you're thinking of law, don't quickly think of do's and don'ts. Does that make sense to anyone? The laws of God are a set of principles, a set of, um, uh, um, let me say, guidelines. And the aim of these guidelines are to, are to make us well acquainted with the ways of God, with the nature of God. If you're still with me, just say amen. So it says, they that do not know the law, they are cursed. If you combine those two scriptures, Second Chronicles chapter 15, verse 3, and what I just read there, how that there was a long time where there was no teaching priest, number one. Number two, there was no, they had, Israel was without the true God. No teaching priest, and, they, and then they were without law. What I'm saying, if I now add this scripture, is that any generation that rises without the laws of God, they are cursed. They are cursed. Cursed to say that they, they become so far away from the things of God. They become, so, they become dull of hearing, the Bible says. They know not the ways of God. So if we come and speak about, for instance, spiritual things, let me just use an, an example as uh, maybe angels. 
let's say I come and I start talking about angels. I use that example because I've mentioned it just before. It's, it's possible for, for people to become very apprehensive towards that message. Why? Because they had not been taught that way of God. That this is actually a part of the kingdom of God. Miracles, signs, and wonders. We have people that don't even believe in those things anymore. And you wonder how. How far back have we gone from the original patterns that the apostles and prophets laid for us? They that knoweth not the law, they are cursed. So when God wants to come and bless you, you actually resist it. Yeah. I don't want to give some examples because... Uh, <laughs> For instance, just as an example, please don't get offended by this example, okay? Disclaimer. It's possible for some of you to be sitting here and be waiting for Angel Gabriel to come and show you the name of your partner. Just as an example. Don't be offended. It's just an example. That God will magically just, I mean, it happens, you know, but in very rare occasions, don't, don't get me wrong. But if the majority of a generation have this belief system, I'm saying that that generation is walking in error because they knoweth not the ways of God. Nowhere in the scripture are we taught that in order for you to know who to marry, God will come and whisper their name into your ear. It's not, it's not here. If you find it, please let me know. It's not here. So do you know what happens? You find out that when, when, when a godly woman of God, man of God whatsoever, someone that has some good fruits of the Spirit, let's even say because no one is perfect, but they have at least most of the fruits being demonstrated. And then there are a few of them who might have good character, not to say they are perfect, but you can see that this person, they have good character. Number, number three, you can see that they are emotionally intelligent. They care about your needs. They're not always thinking about themselves before you. And all of this might be right in front of you, and yet you will push that person away simply because you know not the ways of God. So my whole point is very simple. It is important that we bring a gener I keep saying generation. I'll show you very, very I'll show you very soon my reason for, for using this terminology, a generation. Because by reason of just how God allows me to speak and how my mind works, I never think just individually, I think holistically. I think about the bigger picture, I think about the body of Christ, I think about generations, I think about nations and so forth and so on. It is possible for an entire generation to be lost, ladies and gentlemen. If we're not taught the ways of God. They that knoweth not the law, they are cursed. So very quickly, to teach means to expand or to explain. You know, like I said, I used the phrase earlier, I said line by line, precept by precept. That's the nature of the, the teaching office. They are very logical in their approach. 
very method, method how, what's that word? Methodical. Is that the one? They're very, you know. Meanwhile, if you put a teacher and a, a, a prophet here and you tell them to teach, their, their way of teaching will be very, very different. I, I want to quickly go there because I believe that it is important for us to, you know, you, you can only respond in the right way to what you are aware of. Is that, is that making sense to anyone? If you're not aware of something, you won't know how to respond to it. So what God is doing in this day and time, in these last days, is that he's not necessarily just raising pure teachers or pure prophets. There is now a combination between the two and between the other offices. So now you can have prophets who, are, who have a strong teaching anointing. You have apostolic prophets. You have prophetic apostles. We have prophetic evangelists. We have, I mean, evangelists that can even teach. Meanwhile, the primary message that the evangelist knows how to preach is about salvation. But we now have evangelists that can actually teach the word of God. Is anyone hear what I'm saying? So we are in a day and time where if someone comes and stands here and ministers to you line by line, precept by precept, yes, they are operating strictly from the teaching office. But it's very possible for someone to come and stand here and still be teaching you, but the undertone of the teaching might be very prophetic. It's important to recognize the difference so that you know how to respond to any vessel of God that God sends your way. It says if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you will receive a prophet's reward. Sometimes when prophets come, they don't come to necessarily teach, although then the scope of their message might come in a teaching manner. But, but as they are teaching, they're actually prophesying. A prophetic teacher can come and stand here and be teaching line by line, precept by precept, but how it will minister to your spirit will be very different from how someone else in another office will minister. I hope I'm making sense to someone. It's about the undertones. And this is the combination that God is bringing in our day and time. And we need for that to happen. Why? Because it says we are living in the last days, ladies and gentlemen. As much as we need logic and methodical reasoning, we need people that can download the mind and the heart of God. People that can teach you the ways of God line by line, precept by precept, and yet be able to minister directly to your spirit. Why? Because they are connected to the heart and the mind of God. What I'm saying is, if, you're, if you believe that you are, God has called you into this teaching office, I would strongly urge and encourage you to seek God for the capacity to, to hear what's happening in his heart and to be able to read his mind. Now, when you come and stand here, you won't be speaking according to your own thoughts and your own, your own convictions. But you'll be able to communicate what God wants you to communicate. Sometimes when a teacher comes and stands here, the teacher knows already what he's going to say. For the prophet, it might be very different. In fact, most, most people that operate in that prophetic, I keep saying prophetic, you know, just because that's, that's, 
I believe, number one, that's one of the main graces within this church. Most of you here operate in the prophetic. But when the prophetic teacher comes and stands here, you find out that they might not have even known what their message was before they stood here. For that very reason, how the teacher prepares for a message such as this one, compared to how the prophet prepares for a message, or how the apostle prepares for a message, is also very different. Although the foundation is the word of God, because the Bible says we have a more sure word of prophecy. According to the book of 2 Peter, we have a more sure word of prophecy. He's talking about the scriptures. Meanwhile, these were the apostles that had seen him on the holy mountain, the Bible says. Peter and Cole, they had seen Jesus transfigured. They had witnessed heaven come on earth in this glorious form. And having witnessed all of that, Peter stands and he says, despite all of this, we have a more sure word of prophecy. Talking about the scriptures. So the foundation never changes. Is that what I'm still following what I'm saying? The foundation never changes. But if you believe you are called into these offices, I, I want you to, to, be, to become free because it's important for you to know how God ministers to you in that place of preparation. For some, it's about going line by line in the Word of God. For other people, it's just about tarrying in the presence, spending time in worship. That's where they download everything that they need to be hearing in order to be able to speak to you people, as I'm even doing now. So, this and everything I've said so far, I'm rounding up now. Let's even just stand if you can. I want to pray for a few people. But I have a burden. And tonight I came to share that burden with you. I simply came to share a burden with you. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 to 5. 2 Timothy chapter 3, from verse 1 to 5. Thank you, Jesus. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. It says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiven, slanderers, without self-control. Brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. One more scripture, Judges chapter 2, verse 10. And then I'll pray one final prayer. Judges chapter 2, from verse 10. It says, after that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord 
or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. Our versions will say, a generation grew up that did not know God. It's possible for an entire generation to grow and not know the ways of God. Hence, the need for the teaching priest. 